And we want to go to the word of the Lord today. And I'm going to be jumping around in scriptures. I got something I want to talk about today and um, just walk you through some things that I believe will impact your life today. You know, oftentimes we always focus on success. And success is a beautiful thing. How many of you would like to be successful in life? Wow, there's a lot of people who want to be failures. Come on, how many of you want to be successful in life? Come on, how many of you would like a successful marriage? I'm confused. How many of you want a successful marriage? How many of you want success in your finances? People are more excited about their finances than their marriage. They like, marriage, that's all right. Money, yes. How many of you want to be a successful parent? How many of you want to be a successful Christian? You know, success is something that we all are striving for. You want to be, you want to know that your life is achieving things. Somebody said the problem with America is that we spend a whole lot of time being successful at things that don't matter. And uh, that hit me hard. I said, it's true. I'm successful at a lot of things that don't matter. You know, it's like when you meet the one guy and say, Joe, let me show you the hidden talent. You're like, wow, that was great, but that has no effect in life. So you don't want to become successful in things that don't matter. And uh, a lot of people focus on success and they define success by many things. My definition of success is whatever God's biblical definition is. I believe the Bible says it plain. The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. If whatever you do in life detracts from that, you would have to ask yourself, is this truly something that will lead me to success? But anything that allows you to do God's work and allow you to fear God and keep his commandments, I believe is something that is worth doing. Amen. The problem is, though, that we often talk about success, but we don't ever talk about failure. I've never met, a, you know, as somebody who preached to so many young people for most of my life, whenever you ask young kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? They all sit around the room, they'll raise their hands, and they'll get up, I want to be a neurosurgeon. And uh, sometimes they say some things they want to be that I'll be sitting there like, I'm in trouble. Don't ask, don't ask me what that means. They have big dreams. I want to be a singer, an actor. I want to play in the NFL. I want to be the next Steph Curry. I want to be, hallelujah. Uh, uh, and they tell you all these things. I want to be a doctor, a lawyer. And, and they go on and go, I've never met a kid who said, I want to grow up and go to jail. I want to be the baddest crackhead on the block. I've never met a kid that raised their hand and said to me, Pastor, I'm trying to like fail every class. Go to school with a paper in my back pocket and come to class late and get the 10. I want to be. Most children have big dreams. And somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, Hallelujah. <laughs> what that movie said, if that ain't God calling, son. <laughs> if that ain't Jesus on the main line. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Man, you got the old school ring to <laughs> All right. St- somebody say, stay focused, Pastor. Nobody raised their hand and said, I want my phone to ring in church while Pastor, Pastor Rich especially. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nobody ever raised their hand and said, I want to be a failure. And nobody ever talks about failure. But failure happens to each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, failure is part of the process of becoming successful. And so today, what I want to talk to you about real quick is the subject, failure is not final. Failure is not final. Failure is not final. Can we pray today? Father, I pray that you would bless your word and that within the next few moments, God, you will just speak into this house. So many different reasons why we came, but there's only one solution. And that is you. Indeed, you are the bread of life. Whatever needs life has, the bread of life meets that need. Have your way in this house. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. The first point I want to make to you today is that to fail is only human. But to be defeated by failure is a choice. I'm going to say that again. To fail is only human. From the book of Genesis to Revelation, you will find great men of God who have all failed at some point. The Bible is not a book about great men. The Bible is a book about God using broken men. We often look up to David and all these other people in the Bible that we think are great to be like. No, no, no. Don't ever want to be like the men in the Bible. Want the God who touched the men in the Bible to touch your life. Because without the God of the Bible, those men would have been nothing to write about. Adam in the, gen- in the very first book. He messed up the world, y'all. I mean, can you imagine being the guy who turned their, who had perfection and chose to refuse the perfection that God gives for his own self? How many of you have ever made a mistake because of your own self? Have you ever made a selfish decision? Have you ever tried to satisfy yourself over the bigger picture? Adam did that. And as a result, the world was flung into chaos. You look down the Bible, you got people like Abraham. Abraham is the father of the faith. But Abraham lied about who his wife was. Come on. He went into an an area when the the king saw that his wife was beautiful. He didn't want them to kill him. So he said, she ain't my wife. And almost had the king become intimate with his own wife because he would lie. Later on, he went on to his wife told him, we're going to have a child, but it's going to be through my my servant. 
And Abraham never objected. He said, all right, let's make it happen. This is the man that God used that the Bible says through him, all nations of the world are blessed. You go down the line, you got Moses. Moses was the great, I want to be like Moses, Lord. Moses was a murderer. Moses killed a man. Moses was also shook when he ran into God. He was scared. Moses also, after being used by God for so many years, got mad at the people he was leading, did not care about the God he was leading them to, and instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And as a result, never made it to the promised land. There's a pattern here. Y'all remember King David? David was the only one when the whole nation was cowering. The Bible says that David was the one who showed up carrying some cheese for his brother. And when he got there, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the Lord's army? And decided that he was going to go fight and kill Goliath with a, with a slingshot and some stone and just killed a giant, cut his head off, came back rejoicing, took the sword, uh, brought it back to Jerusalem and got the whole nation rejoicing. But a lot of times we're worried about Goliath. Goliath don't come in the form of giants. Goliath come in the form of desires inside of us that we never dealt with. And he had a Goliath named lust that he never dealt with. And one day when everybody was at war, he was on a rooftop looking at women take showers. You don't like it, it's in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible so said that her name was Bathsheba. You can't make the stuff up, y'all. And instead of being at war where he's supposed to be, his desire got him in a different place. He brings a man's wife to his house, sleeps with the man's wife. When the woman gets pregnant, he calls the man from battle, says, hey, man, I called you home so you could enjoy your wife. And the man served him so deeply that he said, I will not go home and have any type of enjoyment knowing that the rest of the army is at war. What that man was saying is what he should have been saying. But instead, he, the, the man was dead. So he, the next step was, you do what everybody else do, get him drunk. Amen. So he tried, he tried, he tried to, get, to get him drunk, send him home, and the man would not. The man, the next morning, he walks down thinking, job is done. This man going to go home thinking that that's his baby. He's, and the, the next morning, he sees the man at the gate. So what he does, he says, all right, I have no other choice but to kill this man. Writes his death note. Folds the death note up and gives it to the man to carry to the general. The man, you know me, he couldn't give me my death note. I'd have read it. I'd have read it. I'd have been somewhere along the line classified information, but I got to know. Oh, you trying to kill me? Okay, <laughs> this ain't going to go down. He didn't read it. He gave it to the general. The general's reading it. It's all in the Bible, y'all. And kills him. Put him in the heat of the battle and kills him. This is the great David. Thank God failure is not final. Amen. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Y'all remember Samson? You remember Jonah? You remember Peter? You remember Paul? 
wrote the two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul was a murderer. There's so many people that made so many errors, but yet God has used them greatly. What am I trying to tell you today? I'm trying to tell you that to fail is human, but to be defeated by failure is a choice. That you don't have to stay down when you get knocked down. You will get knocked down. I promise you there's going to come a time when you will be knocked down. But you don't have to stay down. The book of Jeremiah 8 chapter 4, uh, chapter 8 verse 4 says, Say to them, this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, do they not get up? When someone turns away, do they not return? And what in context here, he's talking about Israel who refused to turn around, who refused to get up. But God was, was trying to say to them that when you fall down, you can get back up. That when you're knocked down, yes, you might be down, but you don't have to stay down. The book of Proverbs 24, 16 says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Come on. How many of you know that righteous people, you can't keep them down? Not because of their own strength, but because there's a God that works in them to pick them back up. And if you would allow God to work in your life, there is not a circumstance that has come up against you. You would actually begin to talk like God over your circumstance, even though you don't feel like it talk the way God talks. Say what God says over your circumstance. When the enemy tells you you're failing, you don't got a job, you don't got this, you don't got nothing going for you, look at you, what's going on. Don't repeat that. You begin to say, you begin to say, the God that died for me, the God that says, if he be for me, who can be against me? The God that I serve promised that he will make me the head and not the tail. He promised that if I work hard, he promised that if I'm diligent, that he will open a door. If you get on the side of God, God will will back up what he says over your life remember nobody in this room is going to heaven because of how great we are how successful we've been because we're all broken one person one preacher said it like this he has he's and, and this is i'm gonna say it how he said it i have more in common with adolf hitler than with jesus christ the righteousness between me and God is that far that I'm closer to the worst human being you would think of than the righteousness of God. Yet he chose to come and work through broken people. Everybody in this room is broken. Everybody in this room struggles. Everybody in this room stumbles. Everybody in this room have, you know, the, the, the thing about Christianity is we are great at hiding stuff. But if the veil were to ever be lifted, half of what we struggle with, we, you know, it's like if God ever came up here and said, okay, I'm going to talk about everything in your life right now. You'd be like, hold on, God, wait a minute. <laughs> Not everything. But we're all broken. But the Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times, seven is a completion you completely fallen. Guess what? He will rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. And what that simply means is that the wicked, when they do hit trouble, they never recover from it. But there's a recovery when you're a child of God. Here's my second point. Failures can teach us valuable lessons. Failures can teach us valuable lessons. David 
in his circumstance, learned a valuable lesson. Sometimes success alone, sometimes it's good that God allows things to be broken in your life. Because there are some lessons that you will only learn from failure. Success alone cannot teach these lessons. Amen. And so, so when, you, when you fail, it begins to show you the weaknesses that you have. I'm sure David learned his weakness. And the thing about David that was different from anybody else was once you show David his fault, you will never have to show him again because he worked on it. There are some people you show them their faults. You're going to have to show them next week and prepare for next month and prepare. Come on. Hallelujah. There's a process there. But then there are those who once you show them, because let me tell you something, your life will never improve until you improve. A lot of people want to improve their outer circumstance. Sometimes it's not the outer circumstance that has to change. It is you. And God is constantly trying to show you things about yourself that probably needs changing. And unless you begin to identify weaknesses, reflect on actions, maybe the reason you're always where you are in your marriage is because you get angry, shoot first, and then ask questions later. Maybe you're somebody who always complain. Maybe you never get to where you got to go in life because you're always complaining. Come on. Raise your hands if you know somebody who complains a lot. Raise your hands if they sit next. Never mind. <laughs> there are people with habits. You see, you see, when you, when you, this is how, this is how things, things start off with just, we play with it. But, but whatever we do once or twice has the potential to become a habit. A habit develops into your character and it becomes who you are. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so you got to be careful when God begins to show you, hey, don't play around with flirting. Don't play around with lusting. Don't play around with mismanaging money. Oh, I know you like Amazon a lot. If you got five packages coming to your house a day, the devil is a liar. Before Amazon, you didn't have none of that coming to your house. What's up? No, no, no. Because these, the, the mismanaging of fun leads you into poverty. The, 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 the playing around with simple jokes, the flirtatious, the, that leads you into adultery. That leads you into fornication. Don't play around. Look at the, take an example from Joseph. The Bible says, soon Potiphar's wife said, hi, Joey. He said, swing. <laughs> said, lady, you're on your own. My integrity to God matters more than this. It, it becomes your character. You would be surprised how many Christians behind closed doors are bounded up by things that they wish they can get freed from. But don't know how to because they don't know how to just be honest and say, I'm broken. Failures teach you your weaknesses. It teaches you to reflect on your actions. Did you really need to tell everybody off? Was that the best way to handle that situation? Come on. And here's the thing. You must learn from your failures. 
Because if you don't, you will repeat them. Many people, it, it, it's crazy to me, right? They say 50% of marriages fail. They say those people, yes, it's more. And that number is true for the church too. Right? So people get married and they just out. Um, then those people go remarry and the success rate of that is even worse. Then when they get remarried the third time, it, you hanging on a thin thread. Then by then they say, we don't even do the stats for fourth. Like, why even do it? Here's the point I'm trying to make. Not because you change partners. You change partners only to realize that the first woman was right about your crazy self. I ain't going to get, I'm playing my own organ and <laughs> preach them. Come on, preach, pal. People often get up and said, you know what? I feel like I need a fresh start. I'm going to move. I'm going to go to Florida. Florida has become the promised land. I don't understand. <laughs> I had a family member came back from Florida recently, Sister Stacy. And he called me and said, man, how was your trip down there? That's what he told me. He said, bro, it is so much better. <laughs> it's like the, he said, the Walmarts are amazing. He said, the people are so much freer. In my head, I was like, did he know he went to Florida? Like we got the same Walmart and the same. Vacation is different from living. A lot of people make decisions based on vacations. You go on a vacation and it's all expensive paid. You didn't have to cook. You didn't have to do anything. You just woke up and <laughs> according to Brooke frolicked, <laughs> right? You just had a good time. And for that two weeks, it was so much fun. And vacation be lying to you. You come back, you're like, I want my life to change. You come back and you got vacation. What is it? Withdrawals? What, you know, hangover from vacation. So now you want your whole life to change. So now you're ready to quit your job and go move someplace else. But then when you move there, you got a boss. You still got to wake up and go to work. It's not all expenses paid. And real life kick in and you realize the problem was not location. The problem was mindset. Because as long as you go to the different location, you take a bunch of people who has a certain mindset and move them to another neighborhood, that neighborhood will eventually reflect that mindset. So you got to learn from your mistakes. Look at what the book of Proverbs 26, 11 says. As a dog return to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. You know what that means? That the dog never learned. Whatever he ate didn't sit right with him and he had to throw it up. And guess what he does? He goes back to eat the same thing hoping that it would stay down this time. But you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results in life. 
It's insanity. Things will never change. That's why people who don't know Jesus, I want to ask you this. If you've never had Jesus in your heart, if you keep living the same way over and over as the world lives, what type of results you think you'll get? The world has no peace to offer, no hope, no hope for the afterlife, no hope for this world, nor the world to come. This is all there is. Eat, sleep, be merry, hopefully, and make up your own rules. You keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Eventually, it will lead to emptiness. But in Christ, it's not the same thing over and over again. Every day, there's new mercies. And every day, day God has a plan for your life every day when he deposits that 24 hours into your life bank account he's got purpose behind every second that you are living don't you live a meaningless life don't return to your folly Psalms 119 17 says it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees Sometimes the only way to learn is to I'm from the Caribbean, y'all. I was raised different. It was legal to abuse your child outside of America. Come on, somebody. How many of you were raised on a belt? Come on. Natalie, you taping me talking about my abuse? <laughs> I am not advocating to kill your children. <laughs> but what I am saying is that there ought to be Rewards and consequences. Because that's how life really works. If you reward your children when they do good, that's a wonderful thing. And parents, let me encourage you. Don't forget to reward them when they do good. Sometimes we always point out when they do bad, but never highlight when they do good. Come on. But if on the other hand, when they do bad, because new parents nowadays, old school, oh, let me tell you, new school parents, y'all trip me out. Y'all so Oprah. Y'all so listen to advice from people who never had children. People who never parented is who we listen to advice for how to raise. Do you want to be a friend to your child? They ain't not my friends. When they get old enough to be friends, we're going to be friends. I'm parent. I am dad. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. And so, new parenting is the child did wrong. They tell the child the child did wrong. The child break down, cry. You know what they do? I feel bad. My child is crying. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy him a PlayStation to cheer him up. So the child did wrong and gets a PlayStation. Okay. If I was that child, I would do wrong and cry all the time with hopes of getting a Ferrari one day. You, 
what the psalmist is saying here, what, what the writer is saying here is that sometimes God himself allows you to hit those rock bottom moments. The prodigal son didn't come to his senses until he hit rock bottom. And it is in those moments that you begin to learn who God is. Failure to learn who God is in tough seasons. You're going to repeat that again. Amen. 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 Look, look at this. The Bible says, um, well, let, let, let me, my, my third point, it is important along the lines of that to continuously improve. Come on. How many of you want to improve? How many of you want to be better than you were yesterday? Amen. What are you doing to be a better husband? Come on. Where the men at? Amen. Come on. Man, we're going to be better husbands, right? We all going to buy flowers this week for our wives, right? Where y'all? Y'all with me? We going to buy flowers this week? All right, come on, man. We going to buy flowers this week and we going to post a picture of it. Come on. All the men who's taking up the challenge, where y'all at? There's like three men in here buying flowers. Y'all some cheap men up in here, boy. Or, or buy us something she really likes. Come on. How many of you going to do that this week? Oh, man. Rich, I already see I'm going to have to counsel you, bro. I done heard that comment. Oh, man. Wednesday, 7 p.m. Come. How many of you want to improve in your life? How many of you want your finances to improve? What is it that you don't need that you're going to stop buying this week? How many of you going to save some money this week? Come on. How many of you not going to get Starbucks this week? Come on. How many of you just go, just go, go get some Lipton and whatever else at the crib and you make that, put that in a cup and you drink that all day. Come on. How many of you going to do that this week? Say, well, pastor, my finances is not in trouble. I can spend it on Starbucks. No, save the money, bring it for the building fund. Come on. How many of you going to be better? How many of you going to be better this week? How many, you gonna, how many wives going to be better this week? <laughs> Brothers, you are off the hook. No flowers. <laughs> Two women replied. No flowers, no nothing. Matter of fact, we going on a men's retreat for Monday. We ain't coming back till... Wow. <laughs> Ladies, how many are going to be better wives this week? How many are you going to buy your husband a car this week? How many are going to leave him alone when he watched the game today? Say that one more time. How many are you going to leave him alone when he watched the game today? The ladies are not. Ladies, what are y'all going to do to improve yourself? Wow. The point I'm trying to make is that you want to be better in life. You want to be better. Here's the problem, though. A lot of us define better by the world's uh, definitions. You have to define better by God, what God says. Become a kinder person. Become a loving person. Become a person full of grace. How many of you want to be that? Become a, an approachable person. 
Become a person who, when you see a need, meet a need. Come on, somebody. Become somebody that is better. I promise you this. When you become better and you see that personal change, you feel better about who you are. It's when you're greedy and you don't care and you go home and you let all the attitude rule and you sit by yourself and you're like, maybe I should not have did that. I've been there every day of my life. <laughs> don't be like that. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 12:1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. Y'all ain't know the Bible say that, right? Y'all tell children, don't call nobody stupid. Your children got permission. If God calls somebody stupid, they stupid. Whoever loves correction, there are people that do not like to be told anything. If you somebody who don't like to ever be, don't tell me nothing. And the minute they tell you something, you get defensive. You the second half of that verse. The Bible said, I can say you stupid. <laughs> when Steve starts encouraging you, that's when you got to slow down be like... Maybe I shouldn't go. <laughs> I'm joking, Brother Steve. Listen, listen to what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. All scripture is God-breathed. This is my wife's favorite scripture. She, she, she tells it to everybody, right? Because as soon as you come at her and you say something and it ain't Bible, she'd be like, what are you talking about? That ain't in the Bible. And people would be big mad. They'd be like, she's kind of right. It's not in the Bible. How do I fix this? By changing. So she loved this verse. She says, and this is why she loves it, because of what it says. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching. You can't. If it ain't in the Bible, don't do it. It is useful for? Rebuking. rebuking. And that's not, that don't mean put your hand on somebody and be like, I rebuke you. <laughs> that means to bring correction in a loving way. Amen. Right? It, it, it's the rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In other words, the whole Bible, Timothy is saying, exists for the purpose of making you better every day. Don't read it to argue it. Don't read it to debate it. Read it to learn from it. People always come to me, Pastor, how do you prepare for sermons? I don't. No, I just read the Bible to live first. And then when he hits me with something, I come give it to you. The reason I'm preaching on failure is because the Lord dealt with me on failure. Everything I preach to you about is something he gives to me. I don't read the Bible to sound intelligent. I read it because he said, man shall not live by, but by. Amen. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is in his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, 
These verses are showing you that God wants us to constantly move to a state of betterment. And that state is to become more like his son, Jesus. And becoming more like Jesus takes a lot because Jesus suffered a lot. Jesus was accused of a lot. Jesus know what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to have successes. He knows what it's like to be applauded. And he knows what it's like to be hailed, to be nailed. And he handled every moment with excellence. That's the master we serve. Number four, I'm almost done, y'all. Failure can build resilience, strengthen character, and fuel determination. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you some stories of some failures that you might not know. Anybody ever shop at Macy's? Y'all like the Macy's sales? They send the coupons to your house? No? Most people are familiar with the large department store, but Macy didn't always have it easy. Macy started seven failed businesses before finally hitting it big with his New York City store. I'd have quit after the third failure. I'd been like, all right, I gotta do, I'm doing real estate. <laughs> store ain't taking off. Seven times? You wanna hear resilience? Listen to this man's resume. This is resilience. He lost his job in 1832. He was defeated for legislature in 1832. Failed in business in 1833. Then he was elected to legislator in 1834. His sweetheart, Anne, died in 1835. He had a nervous breakdown in 1836. He was defeated for Speaker of the uh, he was defeated for Speaker of the House in 1838. He was defeated for a nomination for Congress in 1843. Finally, he was elected to Congress in 1846, but lost the renomination in 1848. Rejected for land officer in 1849. Defeated for Senate in 1854. Defeated for nomination of vice president in 1856. Again defeated for Senate. This man, like, hey, bro, retire, bro. In 1858. Finally, Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860. That's called resilience and determination. And not knowing how to quit. Life will throw you things that you are not prepared for. It's not how, what life throws. It's how you handle what Rocky said. It's not how life hits. It's how hard you could get hit and keep going. Come on somebody. I'm preaching the gospel according to Rocky today. Michael Jordan said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. Thomas Edison's teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. As an inventor, Edison made a thousand unsuccessful attempts in inventing the light bulb. When a reporter asked, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? Edison said, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways that didn't work. 
thousand ways, thousand steps to the invention of the light bulb. You call them failures, he called them steps. Albert Einstein did not speak until he was four years old, did not read until he was seven. Einstein? Man, why they fail me then in first grade? <laughs> I ain't failed first grade, yo. Four years old and did not read until he was seven. His parents thought he was subnormal, and one of his teachers described him as mentally slow, unsociable, adrift forever in foolish dreams. He was expelled from school and was refused admittance in Zurich Polytechnic School. He did eventually learn how to read and did a little bit of math. <laughs> Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. Vince Lombardi, somebody said, an expert in the field of football said, he possessed minimal football knowledge and lacks motivation. Lombardi would later write, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. And guess what they play for every year? After his first audition, Sidney Poitier was told by the casting director, why don't you stop wasting people's time and go and become a dishwasher or something? Jeez. It was at that moment, he recalls, <laughs> that he decided to devote his life to acting. It's not the failure, it's how you respond to it. It's not the, the hit, it's how you respond to it. Van Gogh, minivan, go. <laughs> sold only one painting during his life. And this was to his sister. One of his friends, one of his sister's friends for 400 francs, which is approximately 50 bucks. This didn't stop him from completing over 800 paintings. Who got a Van Gogh in their house today? Because if you do, bring the building fund. You can't even fathom the price of one of these 800 paintings. But While Alive only sold one for 50 bucks. Let me tell you, life will try to tell you that you're, this is it. This is the end. Your moments will lie to you. Your moments will tell you that God has left you. That you're abandoned, that you should give up, that you should stay down. How many of you know that's a lie from the pit of hell? The God you serve, hallelujah, is a good father who is always cheering. It reminds me this week, Shai played his first game. Shai played his first soccer game. You know, man, you ought to see my little guy in his little blue outfit. And I was sitting there because the big deal was whether he's going to get a starting position, you know? That's a big deal, and you know? So I, we rolled up to the game. Whole family came, by the way. Whole everybody came. We were loud. It was a, an away game. Family was loud. We disrupted everybody. It's just me. I know. We sat there, and I'm waiting and waiting. Then I see Shy walk out, starting in the whatever. I, I call it point guard. I don't know. Soccer, point forward or whatever, forward center, whatever that position is. And he was starting, so I'm immediately like, yeah, 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 yeah. So the game starts, and I don't know much about soccer other than I watch it. And apparently he's the first guy that 
They kick the ball and deliver it to him. So Shai gets the ball first, and he's doing his. <laughs> Clearly not a soccer player out in these streets. And boom, boom, he's dribbling through and makes a successful pass, and they down the field, and within like a first minute, they scored the first goal. And I could not care whose feel it was. I was, yeah, yeah. I was screaming for people's kids who wasn't mine. I knew all the other players' names. I was screaming for all of them. My point is this. If an earthly father cheers his own son on to win, you don't think God wants you to win? You don't think God is in heaven saying, get up. In the middle of the game, Shai got hit, knocked down. Shai got up. Kept going. That's how you come back, y'all. That's how you come back. Listen to this one, y'all. Beethoven handled the violin awkwardly and preferred playing his own compositions instead of improving his technique. His teacher called him hopeless as a composer. And of course, you know he wrote five of the greatest symphonies while completely deaf. Why are you not doing great things again? Why are you letting life defeat you? Your problems are bigger than everybody else's. Failure can lead to innovation and creativity. Y'all ever heard of penicillin? Alexander Fleming was working on another experiment that he couldn't figure out and accidentally discovered penicillin. The number one antibiotic that we use whenever you go into a hospital. Failure led to innovation. Sometimes as, as a musician I know that half of the stuff that I do in music that comes out good was a result of failing at something that I was actually trying to do. Failure sometimes causes you to see things you never saw. Failure can lead to innovation and creativity. Because it didn't work, I'm forced now to figure something else out. And the mind that God gives you is a beautiful thing. Listen, y'all. Number five, don't let de failure define you. Let it refine you. Define means to... Basically, this is what the thing is. If I'm defined by my divorce, I'll be there forever. And unfortunately, that happens to people. People get divorced in life. And you know, you're sorry for them that first couple of years. Hey, man, I'm sorry. Ten years later, where you going? I don't know, but I hear he going to be there. Who? My ex-husband. That's 15 years ago. Yeah, but he's still going to be there. He moved on. He on his fourth marriage. <laughs> and you still stuck where he is. Some people get married and still can't get over the past. Some people are stuck in some places, y'all. If you're not careful, the enemy will keep you stuck in your depression and in your nonsense. While the world is moving on. Y'all remember the story of um, the Bible says uh, uh, Bart Bartimaeus was blind and he was by the roadside. His problem had him stuck by the roadside. 
And the Bible says that he heard Jesus was passing. And when he heard, the Bible says he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, while he's shouting, the friends them tell him, shut up and stay by the roadside. How many of you know that the enemy wants you by a roadside and he will surround you with people who will tell you, shut up and stay by the roadside. If all you got is people who feed your bitterness, then you got to be careful. You got You can't let what they feed you stay in your spirit. You got to say humble. Like one time somebody came and prophesied to me right in this church on that, that seat. When I was a young man, they said, oh, we got a word for you. I said, all right, go ahead. Give me your word. He said, we see that you're going to be in the hospital soon. And Sister Sherry will be crying. I said, with all due respect, I reject your word. <laughs> I ain't never been in no hospital since then to now. God has been good. There's a lot of people want to do their spiritual kung fu on you. You got to Jackie Chan them back to where they come from. A lot of this fake spiritual stuff, but ain't no real word in them. Another man said, I want to meet with you and your wife. I got a word for you. He said, all right, we're young. We want to. That's why I'm telling you, I've been through it all when it comes to Christianity. That's why I'm going to tell you all something. I'm telling you all that as a pastor who's a student of this word. There are people that will manipulate you and use you and take all your money and they'll have you chasing all types of I know people who come prophesy to people and people instead of letting God fulfill a prophecy, they now redirect their life to fulfill what a man told them they're supposed to do. Somebody get a dream, come tell you. What what does dream mean? They got all these things. Nowadays they got prophetic, this class to learn how to be a... And this class on how to interpret dreams, they bad for this, bro. And none of them saw COVID coming. None of them saw COVID coming. Not one of them saw COVID coming. None of them knew that the, the bombs was going to go off last night in Israel. None of them knew the Ukraine. None of them know nothing, but they got classes to teach you? Y'all ain't ready for real stuff, man. God ain't screaming in your dreams louder than he's screaming in his word. The thing that will always keep you is the book. You understand? Because men are so emotional. You can be overwhelmed and dream something. And I'm not saying that God can't use these things. That's not what I'm saying. But God will never use anything that goes against the book. Whatever's in that dream got to line up with that book. The man said, come, I want to talk to you and Sister Sherry. He's sitting there and he's like, Sister Sherry, I see that as God allows the man of God to travel, he's going to be distracted. I said, er? I see, I see a woman. Said, er? And my mom like, you trying to make my wife think I'm a cheat? Are you trying to get with? Hold on. This prophetic anointing is over with, brother. Hold your pro. I'm t- I'm t- I- I- yeah. What happened next? I took my wife and I left. What do you mean what happened next? I ain't never talked to him. We gone. We out. Hold your prophecy, bro. With all due respect, keep it. You know, that people, people in places playing, they want to take off their shirt and throw it at people one time. A guy tried to throw his rag at me, caught it, and threw it back at him. <laughs> Stop. Stop this. Am I, is this too much? 
Behave yourself, Romel. And uh, I don't know if it's you, but you're in that corner. <laughs> don't let failure define you. You might have a divorce that happened in your life. You don't have to stay there. You might lost a loved one. I lost a father. You don't have to stay there. That moment was a moment that could have defined me because I made so many mistakes at the pain of losing a father that I thank God that he, that grace of God, when I tell you that grace comes after you, I told my son last night, I said, I said, one of the biggest proofs of God is the grace that chases you. And that's why it's hard to prove God to a skeptic. Because unless you understand how that grace, in your worst moments it comes and it says, all have forsaken you, but I'm still here. And you can still get up. And you can still be all I want you to be. And I still got something for you. If you don't, you don't ever have to stay in your mistakes, your failures, your down moments. Something broke in your life. You don't have to stay there. You got a God that says, get up. Let's go. And lastly... God's grace covers all mistakes and failures. Don't get it twisted. Romans 3.23 said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all broken. But look at what some of these verses say, and I'm going to close. 2 Corinthians 4.7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, uh, show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 it's not from us, right? Go on, go on. I'm going to read on. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not dis in despair. Hallelujah. And look at the last one there. What? Persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Come on, somebody in this room. And I, I know there's some people who are not persecuted in a band, but I'm talking to people who might be down right now. You walked into this room and the enemy might have told you you got to stay down. I just want you to know, hallelujah, that you don't have to, that there's a God, that yes, there's a crushing, but God is going to lift you out of that. Look at what the Bible in, in, in Deuteronomy 31 8 says. The Lord himself goes before you and be, will, be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Psalms 37 verse 23 and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. Look at what Lamentations 3.22 says. In Lamentations 3.22 it says, Because of the Lord's great love, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. How many of you know the situation want to consume you? But you got a God who says it can only go but so 
How many of you know you got circumstance that comes in like a flood, but the Spirit of God will lift up a standard? How many of you know there are things that want to overtake you, but there's a God that says enough? Because of the great love of our Lord, hallelujah, because of the great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Come on, how many, do I have anybody in here that knows the faithfulness of the Lord? Come on, has he been a keeper to anybody? Has he brought you out of something? Has he kept you? Has he brought you a long way? Has he? They are new every morning. God, I just want to thank you right now, God. In the middle of every circumstance, your strength is made perfect when I'm weak. In my weakness, you are strong. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In, in our weaknesses when God does his best work. You, you, you know, you want to see a mechanic work, you got to take a broken car to him. You want to see a dentist work, you got to take some broken teeth to him. You want to see a, a, an artist work, you got to take an empty canvas. You want to see God work, you take a broken life to him. And watch what God does with brokenness. I want you to know in this house, that, oh, hallelujah. I wish the people of God would rejoice like they know their redeemer lives you need a miracle today it's gonna come from him you need god to touch your body today it's gonna come from him your healer is from him your deliverance you need god to do a supernatural opening of a door that you don't see a way out of it i came to tell you today there's a god who can open doors hallelujah there's a god who can move a government on your behalf there's a God that can take a circumstance that is unfixable and fix it in the name of Jesus. That's the God we serve. He's the God of the brokenhearted. He's the God of brokenness. He's the God of those who are busted. He's the God of the Adams who failed. He's the God of the Davids who fallen. He's the God of the Samson who couldn't control himself. He's the God of the Paul who, who, who thought he was doing the right thing by killing people. He's the God of the Moses who was a murderer. He's the God of the people who were thrown into pits. He's the God of the, the, of the Josephs who didn't understand why am I going through what I'm going through. He's the God who is a healer. He's the God that watched blind Bartimaeus and said, come to me, bring him to me. He's the God that the woman with the issue of blood said, if I might but touch his helm, I will be made whole. He's the God, oh, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying in this house. He's the God that supplies your need. He's the God that delivers you from all your fears. He's the God that opens a door that no man can close. He's the God who saves. He's the God who brings back. He's the God who restores. He's God. He's God. Every morning this faithfulness that he gives is new. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brothers and sisters, and I'm going to tie my laces because I feel like preaching and I ain't trying to fall like I'm on a soccer field. But I like how Apostle said it. 
the apostle says brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it oh come on brother Paul there's something I'm chasing hallelujah and I ain't gotten there yet but one thing I do when it comes to my past when it comes to everything I've been through I forget what is behind me I say to my past in the name of Jesus fear from the past trauma from the past brokenness from the past uh, uh, some of y'all y'all ain't going too far back let's go a little farther back beyond when I was born stuff that I didn't even know that was passed down in my lineage that came from my mother and father that came from my grandparents that came from their grandparents in the name of Jesus you stop right here Oh, give me a microphone give me a microphone hallelujah brokenness brokenness in my home brokenness in my home my home will not be broken anymore fear will not take a hold anymore the enemy's voice will not reign anymore he says anything in my past I forget getting what is behind me It's one thing to forget. Some of you just want to forget. We don't serve the God of the just forget. We serve the God of forget because what I got in front will cause you to never want to look. How many of you know if I told you all you've been through is for something much greater, you would probably say, you know what? I probably wouldn't trade what I've been through. See, when you're going through, you don't understand that the Bible says he is able to take all things and work them together. All things and work them together. Y'all know me, I told this story a million times. It's like the power of the zero in multiplication. When you multiply anything by zero, that zero has the power to erase what comes before it and after it. Let's try it out. Let's have math class. What's 10 times zero? What's 10 times 10 times 50 times zero? What's 10 times zero times a million times 95? It don't matter where you place the zero, as long as the zero is in the equation, whatever comes before it, whatever comes after it, once you get to equal, it controls the equation. You serve a God that controls. Who am I talking to in this house? Who am I preaching to in this house today? Get your mind back today. Get your healing back today. Get your deliverance back. Get your joy back. Don't you sit there and let the enemy convince you to stay here. Get everything back. And the Bible says, Paul says, I don't only forget, but I strain, I press, I, I, I give it my all, I, I, I run. I, I jog when I feel tired I still push I do everything I can to get ahead I press onward to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ
failure is not final. Get up from where you are. Pick yourself up, men and women of God. Soldier on like a good soldier that endures hardship, that endures trials, knowing that he who begun a good work is going to complete it. In the name of Jesus, lift your hands all over this room, begin to give him praise.